0: Well, today begins our third week in the series called DIY, which is do-it-yourself. And we realized from the very beginning, we have a lot of do-it-yourselfers. You guys love those projects, right? Uh, well, we began this series on forgiveness, so we also decided that forgiveness is something that you must do yourself. You can't receive or you can't be forgiven through a, a church attendance, through somebody else's faith. It has to be a personal decision that you make. And so today we welcome you back uh, to week number three. We welcome all of you in United who are joining us uh, for this moment. Welcome into our, our, welcome into our series here today. Uh, we have a special speaker with us that is going to tell the story of forgiveness perhaps better than I can. When we began this series, it was after week number two, I I was just overwhelmed by the response that was coming out of the congregation and how many people were just kind of opening up their hearts and uh, feeling the need to be set free. And some of you are on that journey yet, and we really appreciate your honesty with that and your willingness to take that journey. But I began thinking, who could tell this story? We need a story about forgiveness. I've had some I could have told. We all have those that we could have told as well, so I could have picked anyone, but I was driving down the road and I thought, Marie, Marie could tell this story better than any of us. When I was in, in 2006, I was pastoring in New Providence, Pennsylvania, in Lancaster County, about 8 to 10 miles away from the nickel mines community uh, when the Amish schoolhouse shooting took place. And it was close to home, and so we had a lot of, a lot of things to deal with. I mean, you, you heard about it as well, but uh, Marie was very close to that. And when, uh, when I thought about the story of forgiveness and grace and even all that happened since that day, 13 years ago, I thought Marie would be the perfect person to tell her story. So we invited her in today, and you will not be disappointed. So at this time, I'm going to ask you to join me in giving Marie Monville a great Grand Point welcome as she comes and tells her story. Thank you, Marie.
1: Well, good morning, It's such a privilege for me to be here with you today and to share a bit of my journey and my experience, what I know about forgiveness. My first husband was the man that committed the Amish schoolhouse shooting back on October 2nd, 2006. And God changed me that day. Not only did the circumstances of my life change, but he showed me in a greater way who he is and what forgiveness is all about. I love opportunities like this to share my story because I know we all have a story. We all know pain and brokenness. We all know loss and disappointment. We all know betrayal. We all have to come face to face with this issue of forgiveness and decide what we're going to do about it. And I think that had I not walked through these circumstances, I wouldn't have been able to understand just how key this is. Because sometimes this whole concept of forgiveness is the very thing that's standing in the way of the life God had for us. The plans he has for us, the things that we've been asking him for. And so the things that I'm going to tell you today aren't just things that I've read about God. They're things that I've lived These are my experiences. These are ways that I saw God show up in my life. And the thing about it is that I know that how I've seen God is how he wants you to experience him too. He is the God of redemption. That's always his plan. And so whatever it is that's on your heart as you came in this morning, whether it's something to do with forgiveness or, or maybe you're feeling fear about all these things that are going on in our world, whatever it is, he's the answer. And I know it because he's been my answer. When I was growing up in rural Lancaster County, I simply wanted to have two things when I was an adult. I wanted to be a wife and a mom. That was it. I met Charlie when I was in high school. We got married after that, and I kind of thought life was going exactly according to my plan. That didn't last very long. In our first year of marriage, we found out we were going to have a baby, and we lost our daughter at 26 weeks of pregnancy. She was born premature, and she died in our arms just 20 minutes after she was born. And for me, it was a season of really learning who God is in the midst of our struggle. Of finding him in a way that was real. That while I had asked Jesus in my heart when I was five, this was a place of great difficulty where I needed to understand how to trust God. And while none of us want these difficult experiences, there is just something that we find about who God is, his character, his love for us, in the midst of hardship. And while nobody wants to go through hard times, God has something beautiful on the other side fast forward a little bit to 2006 we'd had three children by this point our oldest was seven our middle son was five and our youngest was 18 months october 2nd 2006 was a beautiful indian summer kind of day still feeling the hint of summer and yet the beginning of fall Charlie walked with us to the bus stop that morning as the oldest two got on the bus. He kissed them and said, I love you, and we never thought that would be the last time they saw their dad. I was leading a prayer group, so I went there with our youngest. Charlie went to do some things for work, and around lunchtime that day, he called me and said, Marie, I'm not coming home. His voice was cold and flat and lifeless, nothing I had ever heard before, and I knew he meant what he said. So on one hand, I'm trying to listen to the things that he's saying, things that don't make any sense at all to me. And on the other hand, it's like my whole life is flashing before my eyes. I was pleading with him. I was saying, please don't do this. Whatever it is that you're planning, there must be another way. There's always another way. But he wasn't listening to me. And at the end of the conversation, he simply said, please tell our family that I love them. I left a note for you on the dresser. And as I went to read that note, I thought, I've never seen a suicide note before, but this must be one. I thought, maybe if I call 911, they'll understand things that don't seem like they make any sense to me, and maybe they can help me stop this. I was worried that Charlie had planned to harm himself, but had no idea that he meant to harm anyone else, much less children. Called 911, I could tell that the dispatcher knew far more than I did, and he wasn't telling me anything. He simply said, please stay at home. If we need you, we'll call back. After that phone call, I went out on my porch, and I was hearing the sound of the police cars racing up the street and the helicopters flying overhead, and it was the kind of thing that I wanted to deny that it all went together. But I knew in the pit of my stomach that this must be one. I wanted to pray a prayer that mattered. I wanted to say something that would make a difference wherever Charlie was, whatever was happening, a difference here in my own life, in my home. But I felt empty. I had nothing. And I thought back on all the time I had spent in church and read my Bible and I thought, God, I don't even know what to say. The only thing I could say was, God, help and the moment I said it, I knew that that was all I needed to say. Because it wasn't about me saying anything or doing anything. It was simply about the fact that God was already there. That he was already wherever Charlie was. And he was already with me. That while these circumstances were a surprise to me, they weren't a surprise to God. It wasn't long until the police were in my driveway, I met them at the door, and I said, it's Charlie, isn't it? And they said, yes. And I said, and he's dead, isn't he? And they said, yes. They came in and asked me questions and told me things that no one would want to hear about the man that they loved. And to think that this man who so loved his own children could possibly be capable of doing what he had done, it just didn't make any sense to me. But there was no avoiding it because it was staring me right in the face. And as the detectives finished talking to me and prepared to leave, they said, you know, you probably should think about gathering some things and leaving your house for a week or so. The media are coming. It's just a matter of time. I figured I would go to my parents' house down the street and around the corner. It wasn't far, but at least it wasn't my house. So I was putting things in wash baskets and taking them to the door, and as I was coming back through the living room, I felt like God was saying to me, Marie, you have to make a choice of what you're going to believe your life to be. And I knew I only had two choices. I could choose to believe that we were going down like the fastest sinking ship and that our lives were over. Or I could choose to believe that he is everything he says he is. That he is everything that is written in the pages of the word. That he is everything I had ever heard someone testify of him to be. That he is everything he had ever spoken to my heart. I could choose to believe that he is real and somehow he would come to rescue us. It wasn't that I was this giant of faith. It's just that I was desperate I knew that I had nothing, but I knew I had nothing to lose by trusting God. And so I closed my eyes and I said, okay, God, I know the enemy thinks he won today. I know that he thinks he won in the schoolhouse, but he has not won here. This will not be the day that my kids look back on and say, from October 2nd, 2006, our lives were over. Yes, this is a very difficult day and undoubtedly it will be a very hard season. But God, I believe that we will be victorious because of who you are. Whatever you can do with this, do it. And I didn't just mean for me or for my children. I meant for the Amish community, for the first responders, for everyone who was touched by this. God, whatever you can do with this, do it. But if in the moments after that prayer, you would have said to me, Marie, define what that means exactly. What is it that you think he can do with this? I honestly don't know what I would have told you. Because I prayed that prayer with all sincerity, total honesty, absolute authenticity. But if you would have said, Marie, what does that look like? I would have looked at my circumstances and said, I don't really know. Because to think about the circumstances of a, of a woman and three children who it's not just that she lost her husband and they lost their father, but it's the way he chose to leave. What do you think God could do with that? I certainly wouldn't have anticipated being able to stand here 13 years later and testify of what he's done in my life. Of the amazing husband that he's given me in Dan. The way Dan's two children and my three blended together. We adopted our youngest son from South Africa almost five years ago. I have a beautiful life. And if you would have asked me on October 2nd, Marie, what do you think your life is going to look like in 13 years? I would never have thought it would be this good. God makes a way. And he's not looking for us to make all the right choices, all the perfect decisions. He's just asking us to yield our hearts to him. I can look back at that day and say, yes, one of the most difficult days of my life, but also one of the places where I've seen God the clearest. Where I saw him come and walk with me. Because the girl I was before that day was not this girl. I was shy and insecure. I did not want to stand out for any reason, and I would never have stood up in front of a crowd of people. But he changed me. He changed what I thought about myself. He gave me courage and strength that I never knew. I saw him that day. And while none of us want to go through these hard times, in the midst of them we have the opportunity to see him in an amazing way, to see the way he loves us and the way that he walks with us, that we're not alone in any of this. Even if not one other person on the face of the earth knows what you're going through, God knows. He sees it. And I believe he feels our pain more than we do. I can look at that day and remember the brokenness and the hard conversations that I had, conversations with my kids, people that were asking me to give an account for Charlie's choices. I didn't really have answers, I just had unanswerable questions. In the letter Charlie left for me, he talked about the loss of our first daughter and the way that changed him. He talked about the brokenness he felt, the anger and the bitterness, the resentment that he held towards the Lord for that loss. It was something that you wouldn't have ever known to look at him. He tucked away that away in a place where no one had access to it. But it wasn't really the answers that people wanted. I didn't know what to tell them. That afternoon I was standing in my parents' kitchen looking out the window and I was thinking, God, how does this happen? How is it that I woke up this morning, a stay-at-home mom, a wife, three kids, a dog, and by lunchtime my entire life had changed and there is no going back? How does that happen? And as I was saying these things to the Lord and looking out the window, I saw some Amish men walking down the street. I knew they were coming to my parents' home. This was the town I grew up in. We were not strangers to one another My grandparents had a business where they picked up milk at the farm and took it to the dairy. I had gone with my dad and my grandfather since I was a little girl. I had been to many of their farms. We bought produce from their roadside stands and flowers from their greenhouses. These people were not strangers to me. I went to my mom and dad and said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I have nothing to offer them in light of all they have faced today. My dad said, it's okay, Marie, you can stay inside. I'll go out and talk with them. So I watched from the window. I couldn't hear what they said, but I saw everything. I saw the way they put their hands on his shoulder, the way that tears flowed down all of their faces, and the way they hugged my dad before they turned and walked away. When he came inside, we waited for him to collect himself from the emotion of that moment, and he said, Marie, they came because they were concerned about you. They were concerned about your kids and they wanted you to know that they had forgiven Charlie and they were extending grace and compassion over your family. And it stunned me. Because up until that point, everyone had been asking me for something. And as I saw them walking down the street, I was thinking, what questions might they ask? What demands might they make? And rightly so. But they didn't come to get anything from me at all. Instead, they came to give a gift, to tell about the forgiveness that God had already brought in their heart and the way that changed them. So many times people will ask me, how has the Amish community impacted you? And I think that one of the greatest ways I was changed in that season of my life is that God changed what I thought forgiveness was. I had this very hallmark expectation of forgiveness prior to that day. Because I thought forgiveness was this thing that when somebody hurt me, they would recognize it, they would want to fix it, they would come and apologize, there would be some kind of reconciliation, we would both walk away with smiles on our face. Hallmark forgiveness. It doesn't happen like that. Most of the time, the people that have hurt us either don't know that, that we were hurt, because that's not how they intended it, or they don't really care. Forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about us. My choice to forgive Charlie, the Amish community's choice to forgive Charlie, it was not about Charlie. It was about us. It was about allowing God to have access to our heart, allowing him to take the brokenness that we felt and do something else with it. To bring healing in that place, to write a different story. We all... No pain. We all have these places in our lives where we have to forgive someone or maybe we need to forgive ourselves. Maybe there's someone that we need to ask to forgive us. And it feels complicated. It feels really hard. And sometimes we weigh it out because we think it costs us something. It feels like it costs everything and we weigh that As if, is it worth it or not? Had I not chosen to forgive Charlie, my life would be entirely different. I know that I wouldn't be able to have a healthy relationship with my husband Dan if I was still carrying around all the wounds of the past. I know that as a mom I would not be able to pour out authentic love on my kids if what was consuming my heart was anger and bitterness and brokenness at their father. Whatever inside of us is inside of us that's the stuff that's going to come out. And so much of the time we walk around as if we are unloved. Because we look at everybody else's circumstances and we think, wow, God must love them so much more than me because their life looks so much easier and my life is hard all the time. We scroll through social media and are reminded of that all the more when it's not reality. The reality is that we're all going through hard things. Some people just don't share them. We carry around the weight of our brokenness and it drains us. Matthew 11:28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus spoke these words and I know that he doesn't say forgiveness in there, but I think that that's exactly what it is. We're carrying around the stuff that weighs us down and he's saying, look, I'm giving you the opportunity for this great exchange. He wants us to come and lay down all the stuff that's weighing on us so that he can give us something else instead so that he can pour his love in our hearts, so that he can bring his healing to our lives, so that he can enable us to walk into the future that God's created. Had I not chosen to forgive Charlie, or had I chosen to believe that my life was over, I don't think it would have changed what God's done. I think he would have still done all the amazing things in my life that he has done but I don't think my life would look like this because I wouldn't have been looking for God like that. It's all about our perspective. It's all about whether or not we're looking for him, whether we're anticipating that he's going to meet us where we're at. And our circumstances do not prove or disprove his love, but his love is seen by the way he comes right where we are and he walks with us. He's the one that makes the way. It's not about us making it through, showing that we're strong enough. It's just about God and letting him in. It's not a coincidence that you're here. And it's not a coincidence that this series is running in the days leading up to Easter. Because if you think about Christ's choice to come and to die on a cross to bring our redemption He knew brokenness. If anyone knows how we're feeling, it's Jesus. His friend betrayed him for a few pieces of silver. He knew what it was like to lose someone that he loved. He knew what it was like to have people turn their back on him, to make false assumptions of who he was and to spread lies about him. He went through all the same stuff that we do. And he went to the cross so that we could have freedom from all of that and know how much he loves us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to reduce what he did on the cross to nothing. And yes... Sometimes forgiveness feels hard, and it feels painful, and we're not sure we want to do it, but I'm telling you, God has an incredible life for you on the other side of that. And I know because I see what he's done in mine. I can stand here today, 13 years later, and say, yes, while I wouldn't have chosen those circumstances, I am not disappointed in what God's done. And it hasn't been easy There have been a lot of hard days, hard seasons, hard years. But it's worth it. I wouldn't want to live any other life than the one I'm living now. And I'm thankful for what God has shown me about who he is and how much he loves me and the way that he walks with me. And I couldn't have seen that and I wouldn't have all of this had I not walked through the pain that I know. I'm not trying to convince you that forgiveness is worth it. I'm trying to encourage you to believe in who God is and what he is speaking over your life. I know that he's real and that he loves us and that he has a plan and that we all need him all the time. We're walking through this crazy season with this coronavirus. And you know, for a lot of us, our lives are getting dialed down to the basics. Some of us are going to spend a lot of time at home with our kids the next few weeks. Things that normally happen aren't happening. We're going to have more free time on our hands. And what if in this next season of time, if we carved out these moments, this space to say, you know what, God, I know there's stuff you want to do in my life. I know there are places I haven't let you in. What would happen if we allowed him to have access to our broken places, to these places where we need to deal with forgiveness? What would life look like on the other side when all these restrictions are lifted if we could all come out of it saying, I met God in a greater way? I don't think the story is the coronavirus. I think the story is what God's doing on the back side of it. Because what I know about who God is is that every time we walk through something difficult, he's got redemption That's always his plan. It's always redemption. So I'm not afraid to go into this season. I'm excited about what God's got and the way that we're going to see him in the midst of it. He is a good God, He wants to lead you not just through the broken places, but out of them. And you know, we don't have to do this ourselves. If you have an infection, you go to the doctor, you get medicine, you get better. And sometimes in these places, we just need someone to talk to about it. It's amazing how much better you feel when you talk about something. Sometimes we need a fresh perspective. And I love that here at Grand Point, there are counselors and people to pray with you that you don't have to do this alone. We just have to let God in. And it doesn't matter if our broken place happened last week or 20 years ago. God cares about it. He hasn't forgotten about it. And He's asking us to let Him lead us through it. He's gentle, He's only going to take us as far as we can go that time. And you know what? If we come back to Him next week and say, you know, I know we already talked about this, but I need to talk about it again. He's not going to say, well, what's your problem? Because we just talked about this. He's going to say, come, let's go a little deeper. If you're willing to pour it out a little deeper, that'll give me more, more room to pour the healing in. Sometimes that means being honest, maybe for the first time. And it's okay to say, God, I don't like this. I don't really like my life. I don't like this aspect of what I've walked through. It's okay to say that. I've said that. If you need any more encouragement that that that's not going to make God angry, just read the Psalms. David was honest all the time. And God called him a man after his own heart. He wasn't perfect. He just had a heart that was yielded to the Lord. I'm not perfect. I haven't made all the right choices. There have been days that I've been consumed by my own discouragement and frustration at the things that have surrounded me. But the beauty of God's story in my life does not rest on me. Yes, I have to willingly partner with him, but he's the one that's doing it. God is amazing. And he has amazed me. To look at my family and have these kids that some of them are taller than I am. To have this amazing son from South Africa. I couldn't have any of that had I not walked through the difficulty and allowed God to bring the healing. I know that I'm not special God doesn't have favorite kids and he didn't do what he's done in my life because he pitied me. He did it because he loves me. And I know he loves you the very same way. His plan always love and redemption. So whatever it is that you're sitting with this morning, he's the answer. He's asking you to lay it down, to let it out and let him in. It's going to be a beautiful season because that's just who he is. And you don't have to be afraid of walking through forgiveness or even the coronavirus because God has a plan and he's faithful. And if we're looking for him, we're going to see him every step of the way. You don't have to know how it's all going to work out in the end. You just have to be willing to take that first step. All you have to say is, God, help me. It's not about knowing all the right words or feeling all the things. It's just about saying, God, would you come where I am and help me? So God, I thank you that you are who you say you are. God that you have a plan for our lives and in this season you want to bring healing in a greater way. God I ask that we would open our hearts and let you in. That we wouldn't feel fear or frustration about it, but God, that we would feel an excitement about the opportunity to meet you and to see you write a new story. This isn't the end. It's just the beginning. God, I ask that we would open our hearts wide in whatever it is that you're speaking this morning, that we couldn't do anything but respond to you. You are a good God. You love us. And your plan for our lives is redemption. Amen.